Hi, it's Mark Sisson. Welcome to the Primal Blueprint Podcast, where we deliver a variety of fresh content to help you live awesome. Enjoy the show. Engage with us online at marksdailyapple.com and on social media, and send your questions to info at primalblueprint.com. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Primal Blueprint Podcast. Today, we have Angela Mavridis. She is a holistic nutritionist and the CEO and founder of Tribali Foods. As a kid in her grandmother's kitchen, she discovered the nurturing power of real foods, and now she seeks and sources 100% organic, high-quality proteins for Tribali Foods. You can find them at most places in your frozen section, amazing beef patties. Hi, Angela. Welcome to the show. Hi, Al. Thanks so much for having me. So I'm sure a lot of our listeners, uh, the people that are focused on paleo primal foods, might have seen your uh, grass-fed beef patties and other products in the frozen section. Very tasty. You have a Mediterranean-style uh, burgers and things like that. You can just throw right out of the freezer, making it so convenient for us. Um, tell us, though, how did you even go down this road to where you ended up in this industry? Because this is a pretty specific path to get here. And I'm just curious where you started. Yeah. I mean, it, it was an interesting path and I did. Um, it's pretty ironic with me as well. I, at the age of 13 in a quest for health and nutrition, knowing what I knew then I decided to become a vegetarian. And the ironic part about it is I grew up in a Greek household where, where meat was really the center of our plate. And my dad owned a fast food hamburger restaurant business. So being a vegetarian, Back then, it was almost as if I was in a cult. Like, why? Why did, did, why, why did you make that decision? Just curious, what brought you around to vegetarianism? Um, you know, it was really a quest for health, and and I was always interested in nutrition. And I think at that young age and back at that time, um, there was a bit more of a propaganda against meat. I mean, there still is now, um, but it was more of a the cleanest way to eat was more, you know, vegetable based and people weren't as concerned as what was on the back of the label. Um, as much as people know now to turn it around and look at the carbohydrates and the sugars and your insulin and, and really looking at, um, the ingredients and making sure that your, your ingredients are pronounceable. I don't think we knew that, or at least maybe I didn't, or I wasn't aware at such a young age. And it was more of how can I eat clean? Um, and how can I eat to fuel my body? But um, and something just about red meat, it just didn't appeal to me at a young age. So I I sort of shunned away from it. But but I was around it all the time. Again, my my family owned a ha- hamburger fast food restaurant. Um, we're Greek. We cook a lot of lamb and pork and and meat. Um, but I also spent my summers in Greece, where even from a very young age, we really cooked from the land and the sea. I mean, we, we lived, you know, by the water and the summers I spent there, my grandma would, would go into the, send me into the village to pick up all the groceries for the day. And we'd just cook from what I'd bring home. So there was no, you know, stop at a market. There was no drive-throughs. There was no, you know, if we ever needed to go to the grocery store, it was more to buy your cleaning supplies and paper goods. Um, so food was really from nature and I loved eating that way. I just felt like I thrived. And every time I'd come back here and eat, you know, either fast food or the typical standard American diet, all sorts of side effects would happen. So from a young age, I knew to, to look at my body and understand what's happening from the food I'm putting in. And, and 
even at that age, I knew that food can be your medicine or food can be your poison. You know, when I'd break out an acne and I would stop dairy, the acne would go away. I mean, little tinkering like that. Um, and I was able to do that during the course of, of you know, 30 some years, removing and, and reintroducing, removing and reintroducing to find that not only what worked well for me at that time, but, um, you know, what helped me keep a certain body composition. I was always an athlete. So, you know, I was fueling my body a lot with, and I know Mark Sisson, um, you know, attests to this as well, a lot with, you know, the high carb protein powders and protein bars and protein supplements and protein shakes, um, just to make sure I had enough protein since I was a, a vegetarian. And I think I just, you know, I came full circle L about 35 years of that. Um, and after studying nutrition and becoming a, a paleo nutritionist, realizing that, you know, if you, if you have just a little bit of meat, you don't need too much. It's like the Goldilocks effect. If you, you just need the right amount of animal protein, but from the right source. So that's how I dove into, okay, what is the right source meat? If I'm going to try a little bit of meat, um, what is that right source? And, and that's why I've become a little picky in the right source is really boycotting CAFO meat. I think none of us should be eating um, industrialized processed meats. We should all at least try to source from local farmers and have, you know, high grade organic, either wild caught seafood or grass fed and finished beef or pastured pork, free range chicken, as much as we possibly can. Let me ask um, you this though. Let me jump in and say, where was the, what was the moment that you said in your life, okay, I need to switch from being a vegetarian. I mean, cause that's a big move that right? is. and you're part of this quote cult or proselytizing probably as a vegetarian. So that's kind of a, you know, from the vegetarians I've spoken to, the ones that have been in it for a long time, that's a tough transition because part of it's the ideology and the friends and the message that one has been projecting as a vegetarian. And then you have to kind of fall on your sword and, and go back to something you rejected. So tell us a little bit about, you know, that transition into eating meat. Right. And, you know, I was, I was, kind of a proponent of vegetarianism for so many years. And those people and friends, like you said, around me believe that this is the way I ate. So when I switched over, everyone was like, what, you're eating meat now? Um, I think, you know, I studied nutrition and uh, became a nutritionist. And I had a lot of clients and I would uh, consult them on a one-on-one -on, -one on just cleaning up their diet. I never really wanted to prescribe any way of eating because what might work for me one day doesn't work for me the next day. It doesn't work for you. Or it doesn't work for someone else. So it's more just moving from processed, industrialized, high carb foods to a more clean, real food plate, whether you want to call it paleo or whole 30 or primal or whatever you want to call it. It's just eating from real foods. Um, and part of that plate and, you know, should have some protein on it, obviously. So it depends, uh, you know, what style of way you eat, where you're going to get your protein from. And I thought in studying all this and studying meat and studying where it comes from and familiarizing myself with good sources of meat, I thought, let me just give it a try. And I did. I went out and I sourced a good high quality grass fed and finished piece of steak, which I actually, you know, made sure I vetted, was it fin finished on grass, no antibiotics, no hormones, clean protein. And I tried a little four ounce steak out on the barbecue one day. And my brothers even said to me, you probably don't even have the digestive enzymes to eat this. You haven't eaten meat in so many years, but I tried it and I loved it. I mean, the taste I loved. And I think honestly, it was sort of a, um, 
intuitive, almost an emotional feeling. Like I've abstained from this for so long that that my body's craving it now in a weird sort of way. And maybe it's because it could also be, you know, I hit a certain age, hormones went out of whack, I hit menopause, um, all hormones got tanked. Maybe it was just a craving, an internal craving of like some satiating piece of meat. And it was so satisfying and so tasty and so good. I thought, what have I been missing this whole time? And so now I feel like, so that was, you know, four years ago. I feel like now I'm making up for all the time I had. Yeah. Meat. Cause you're pushing me now. It's great. <laughs> now I am a meat producer, but, but, you know, so coming full circle and growing up in the hamburger business, knowing, you know, how to flip a burger since I was 10 years old working at dad's restaurant. That's what we knew. That's what we grew up having. And for me, and I've got three little kids. I mean, it's such a nice, convenient source of, you know, four ounce circular protein that you can put in a bun. If you want to eat it as a burger, you can stick it on a salad. You can accompany it by roasted veggies. I mean, it could serve so many purposes. Um, and then what we do, you know, in Greece, and I'm sure in a lot of the Mediterranean, we have what we call a bifteki, which is just ground beef and marinated with different and flavored with different like herbs, spices, vegetables, and purees. So that's kind of how the idea came about. I thought, okay, people bring ground beef home and you don't just make a circular hockey puck. I mean, you put some stuff in it usually, you, a little flavor, a little something. Um, and so that's how I started just experimenting in the kitchen. And I had so many, I literally bought a refurbished grinder from Amazon, a white lab coat. And if you saw me in the kitchen, you'd think I was a mad scientist, like coming up with all <laughs> these, grinding my proteins. I mean, someone who wouldn't even like look at meat for 35 years. Now I'm like grabbing it and grinding it and flavoring it and chopping all these vegetables and herbs in it and forming it into patties. So I had all these different ones in the fridge and the kids would love it. They're like, oh, can I have the Moroccan lamb? Or let me try the Greek pork you made last week. Or how about that bistro bison and, and Mediterranean you know, beef one, mommy. I mean, I had so many different ones. So, and that's how it came about. It was sort of our easy, quick, grab it from the freezer, ready in 10 minutes. We love it. Um, and, and now I'm full down the rabbit hole of consumer packaged goods manufacturing, but I feel good because not only am I eating it and sourcing it from high quality, but I'm giving something back to the world that, that I feel is nutrient dense, um, highly nutritious for you because I know the meat it is, you know, and we all know that grass fed and finished better antioxidants, better ratio of omega threes to omega six CLAs, vitamin A, vitamin K. It, it really does your body good. And again, it's like, you don't need too much. You don't need too little. You just need the right amount from the right source. Um, and I just feel good about making it and eating it. Yeah, no. And I think it's great too, because you're contributing also to the health of our environment and our soil. Mm -hmm. by sourcing, you know, pasture-raised animals versus, like you said, these industrial feedlots and antibiotics running into the water. The cows are farting up a storm because they're eating grains. <laughs> and, you know, so as well, too, you're you're contributing to, to that as well. And I think people don't sometimes understand that distinction. People want to put uh, meat consumption into the destroying the environment category without understanding the differences between pastured animals and what that does for environment versus the other. You know what I mean? Right. It's such an interesting right. distinction. And we've made it before on the podcast. We've interviewed Primal Pastures, Paul Grieve. And, you know, if anyone wants to go back and listen to that podcast, specifically talking about how this affects land, et cetera. But it's interesting. It's almost the same thing as people throwing in, you know, all fat being bad, not realizing that, no, it's not. It's just a matter of whether you're eating it 
in the presence of a high carb diet, that might lead to some clogged arteries, but otherwise it doesn't. And again, those distinctions and nuances sometimes aren't there and people make these blanket statements. So I think it's great that your company is, is, you know, by supporting your company and, and buying these delicious, you know, ready to go burgers and patties, we're, we're, you're also, we're contributing to the right. health. Of and that was so important to me as well. As a matter of fact, um, I'm sure you're aware, um, Diana Rogers is coming out from Sustainable Dishes, coming out with a great movie, Kale versus Cow. And, and it is, it's not about the cow, it's about the how. Like, mm-hmm. what, how was this cow raised? How was it um, nurtured? How was it fed? How was it slaughtered? How was it um, brought to the consumer? So it, it really is not, you know, we're always like um, vilifying the meat. It's not about the meat. And then it's not about the cow. It's about how, the how, really. So I'm, I'm excited to see her, her documentary when that comes out. Yeah, no, that's going to be great. Uh, tell us, um, I mean, I know you started to probably feel a little bit better when you ate meat, but I, I know you wanted to also share some of your trials and tribulations with health. Uh, tell us a little bit about those. Right. Um, and it is, it has been a health journey and I'll tell you a rocky one at that. <laughs> I wish it was an easy fix and you could just say, you know, clean up your plate and everything, it'll solve everything. But, um, what I realized, and I hadn't, you know, realized this from a younger age, because I think I was just always balanced or at least even killed with my hormones. Even when I had my three children, I never had big hormonal fluctuations. So, you know, I used to joke, like my deliveries were drive-through deliveries. I would drive through, pop them out and be back to business a week later. Like everything was easy for me. Um, I was an athlete, so I was into running. I was a marathon runner for a time. I was into cycling, a crossfitter, weightlifter. And I was always, you know, like I said, concerned with making sure at least I was getting enough protein to to build some muscle. Um, And things worked well until they just stopped working. And I don't know if that had to do with the crash of hormones and the topping off of everything. But about four years ago, that's sort of when my health crisis started and just not not feeling well. So in starting to look at everything like you do in a primal lifestyle, you want to look at your movement. Um, are you getting enough sunshine? Are you grounded? Are you emotionally um, you know, grateful? Do you have a practice of gratitude and meditation and, and your nutrition and your food? Like All that comes into play. You can't just fix your food and think like everything else is going to be good. I mean, you know, you just start diving down that rabbit hole and you start looking at your cosmetics and your toxicity load on your body. And as I started doing those things and really, really cleaning up one thing at a time, um, I did start feeling better. Um, but you know, we've talked about it too. Like I was concerned, do I have a thyroid issue? Things started going wacky about four years ago. And I really do believe that it had to do with the tank of the hormones. So trying to bring those back up with the bioidentical, um, hormone replacement therapy has stabilized things, but I'm still on that journey. And, and we were talking before the show about how all that has to do with tinkering for your particular bio-individuality. No one can tell you. I mean, the doctor could write you a prescription and say, all right, take this, um, this level of hormones, you should, you should feel better. Well, yes, this level made me feel better in one way and gave me side effects in another way. I mean, loss of hair, um, swollenness. I mean, what, what is causing all these things? And you know, as everyone says, it does start with food. So that's the first place you should look. But if that's all clean and sort of what I call as primal as I could be, um, then you have to start looking that 
maybe certain foods are affecting you in a certain way and you didn't know. So I think everybody should start on a health journey of their own to figure out what foods make them feel good and what foods they love that love them back, right? Because you might love a bunch of different things and think that this is the way to eat because the paleo way tells you so or the keto way tells you so. But if they don't love you back and they're causing some sort of joint pain or inflammation or um, any sort of side effects in your body, then those might not be the right foods for you, even though the prescription says so. Um, and a lot of that has to do with your hormone levels too. So we're just, I'm still on that journey, just trying to balance things out. And I do see light at the end of the tunnel because I know that every time I tinker with something and adjust one thing, you know, I do feel better. And, and like I said, there is light at the end of the tunnel, but I'm not through it yet. <laughs> I'm still right, traveling no, but I want to highlight something you said, which is, you know, again, and this goes for thyroid or bioidentical hormones. Oftentimes, I mean, the women I've spoken to who've gone through menopause and they decided to go the bioidentical route. And if you don't want to go the bioidentical route for the people that are out there, there are women who've gone to regular acupuncture and herbs who want to do it the natural way. And I've seen people go through it gracefully there as well. So there's always a couple of options. But at the end of the day, like you said, you can be prescribed something you still are home with you all the time. You can't see your doctor every single day. You're going to have to really be compliant as a patient in terms of writing down symptoms, what doesn't feel right, so that you can help your doctor adjust it. But to just take something, have it feel one way and go, I'm giving up on all of it, or or just keep taking the same thing without alerting the doctor. So this is really a, you know, it's a, it's a, gentle finessing. And also, you know, I've mentioned this before in the podcast as well, despite solving my, my thyroid issue by myself, there were things that went wrong that no amount of primal lifestyle could have changed that happened while I had been sick and things needed to be cleaned out via supplements and some other, uh, you know, things that I never had considered. And so, you know, it's, it, it is, again, I think this journey, like you said, everyone needs to go on their own health journey. This is about being intuitive, learning about you and yourself. And for example, I just um, had a little biohacking accident the other day, I, <laughs> I um, had kind of noticed that eggs were something I needed to eliminate in life, even though I'm not technically allergic in any way. And I just was craving it the other day and had eggs and boy, did that not work out for me at all. It was pretty miserable. Um, and you know, it's just one of those things where it was like, all right, you know, occasionally you'll still test the waters right, and you right. realize, nope, that's not for me. Right. You know, and sometimes and, your body has a miraculous way of making you forget. <laughs> and so months later, yeah. you're like, let me try that again. So That's exactly it. That's what happened. I was like, oh, I'm fine. I could probably handle it. It's been a while. And then you know what? It just was not. But to think that I ate eggs my whole entire life and to think about how my body had at one point, quote, adjusted to that onslaught. And then when she eliminated it um, for a long time and you bring it back, you really see how something affects you. So that again, that process you talked about, about eliminating, reintroducing, these are things you can only do on your own. No amount of uh, tests is going to tell you what to do here. Yeah. yeah. And you know how many people L, haven't even started on this journey yet? Like they're, they haven't even started. And, and I just, that's what I encourage everyone to do. It's like, you have to be your own health advocate, whether it's from a prescription perspective or a plate perspective or a lifestyle perspective, you have to take this into your own hands and, and, tinker and find out what works for you because, because no one's going to do it for you and you only have one life. And if you wait your, your whole life until you're 70 and then go, oh my gosh, I have all these issues. It's almost too late. I mean, it's not, but, but you have to start earlier. Um, 
and and from all perspectives. And then the other interesting thing, I don't know if you've noticed this, cell, but when you start eating from a limited plate and and you become sort of a creature of habit and eat the same things over and over again, you almost become sensitive to those things. Has that ever happened? You uh, interesting. You mean eating a certain food for uh, yeah, like if you start eating avocados and eggs and you know coconut every day. After three months, you're almost not, you can't almost tolerate them anymore. I haven't had that experience, but I, I can see where you're going with that. Yeah, I, I've, had, I've had that myself. So it's a good idea to just vary your plate, like not just get stuck in a rut. Because, you know, we all live this fast-paced lifestyle. And as much as I love to meal prep and, and batch cook and all that, there's times where I can't and I don't. So I'm grabbing the same you know, rotation of the five same foods over and over again. And after a while, those don't even work anymore. So I think it's a good idea to vary um, your produce, your protein, and your healthy fats. Just keep varying them. But but the majority of your plate should be from those three components. You know, lots of produce, lots of, you know, good good sources of high quality protein and some healthy fats. Yeah. You know, one of those things on that note is a lot of people, because coconut is such a popular you know, paleo fat, um, coconut butters, coconut products, food, um, and oils. I think a lot of people tend to, because it's tasty, right? They, they go and then they're overdoing that one type of fat. And I've been there myself, you know, on this topic where I've just made a realization where I'm like, you know what, I'm eating almost all primarily coconut or saturated fat. And I need to switch this up and get some avocados going and to use the avocado oil. And, you know, I, I consciously am aware of that. Uh, now, you know, right. because you can get into one of those sort of comfortable things where you're just kind of <laughs> doing the same, same, same right, moves right, right. and you realize, nope, I need to switch it up. And I'm loving so many brands like the Primal Kitchen brand and so many other brands that are coming out and being these real ingredients, authentic brands that that are about this healthy lifestyle. And it's great to have to be able to go to the market or your grocery store and find things that are um you know, of this mindset that it's like the clean, no rancid seed oils on the back, no binders, no fillers, no additives, no preservatives, no yucky junk in the back. And I mean, that's so important to me. I always say I want to be able to turn out, turn around my label and my eight year old better be able to pronounce it, source it and find it in my house. And if he can't, then it's not going on the back of my (laughs) box. Um, you know, I just think that's, that's very important. It's so, uh, important for someone to be able to identify that ingredient label and know where their food's coming from. Absolutely. Well, and on that note, let's talk about your product. So Tribali Foods, T-R-I-B-A-L-I foods.com is the website. We'll of course put that in the show notes, but where people might've seen you is you have these meat patties in the frozen section of a lot of health food stores and Whole Foods, Air One here, and I'm sure many other places. Tell us about the different products you have right now. So we have three patties. Those were the ones that were first um, put on the shelves at Whole Foods in the SOPAC region. And it's the Mediterranean style. And that's kind of a little bit from my background, the way I would season our meats with some uh, rosemary and mint and lemon peel, little garlic and onion, tomato paste. So it's really got notes of the Mediterranean. There's the umami one. Well, because I love shiitake mushrooms and I'm hoping more people do too. And it's got that umami flavor. Um, with a little red boat fish sauce, nori seaweed, again, a little garlic puree and onion. Um, and then I've got the chipotle chicken, which seems to be just so popular with so many people. That's really our bestseller. And it's got uh, chipotle spices, a little poblano salsa, um, 
and again, a little garlic and onion. And they're just all blended together, made into three ounce, four ounce patties, circular patties. And they're individually wrapped. So I wanted them that way because that's the way I use them. Like I don't want to have to defrost a whole pack of four patties when it's just me at home and I just want one. Or, you know, one of the kids comes home and it goes, can I have something to eat in 10 minutes? Sure. Let me grab one of these, throw it on the grill. And my kids have them for snack. I mean, they come home from school and I love that they don't want like chips and cookies and Oreos. I mean, I don't have those in the house anyway, but, but they want, can I have a Chipotle chicken patty mom with some sliced avocado on top? I mean, it, how healthy is that for a teenager? Sounds, I'm like, oh, I'm hung, I'm, I want that right now. Yeah, as we're talking. Perfect, <laughs> that sounds right? so good. Um, no, I mean, and that is so great too, because those individually frozen, like I said, convenience uh, for parents. I mean, this is huge, guys. You know, you don't have to go to the store every week or if they don't have the grass fed in there, you're not sure what, what it is. Just keep them stored in your freezer. They're always ready to go. I mean, that's what I do with these kind of things because you never know. I mean, I've also, I live, I live in the middle of the mountains and it's a little bit of a drive to go to the store. So it's like, sometimes when you've gotten back home and you're like, ah, oh, damn it. I forgot. <laughs> you know right, what I mean? Right, right, right. But then you, but then you already have them in there and you're like, oh, never mind. There you go. Yeah. I mean, they make life easy and you can, what I love about it is like I said, now that I'm eating meat again, I just want to make sure it's good quality meat. I don't want to eat the industrial, you know, regular. I mean, if I have to, and I'm out to dinner, I'm not going to freak out of course, but but, you know, when I have control over what I eat and I'm in my home and I'm cooking, I want to make sure that that I've got the highest quality and just, you know, I've gone to the farms. I've vetted the farmers. I wanted to make sure how these animals are treated. Are they really grass-fed and finished? Are they spending their whole life out on pastures? Are they happy cows, <laughs> you know? Yeah, um, no, and I wanted to bring that up, and that's really great. So the, the amount of research uh, that you've done in your resourcing is important, and we can trust that. Um coming from you. And so that's always really nice to know as well that you've got gone to those lengths and have actually met with, with the people that are sourcing your meat. Yeah. 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 And, um, and like I said, they're, they're that convenient effortless way to just have a nice meal on the table in under 10 minutes. So I encourage everyone to give us a try. You could buy us online as well on our website. We just opened our Amazon storefront and we've got some exciting new stores that I can't talk about yet until we're on the shelves, but um, you'll be able to find us on, on a few more shelves coming in the next year. So that's it's exciting. Excellent. All of a sudden, I'm a consumer packaged goods manufacturer of meat products. Who knew, you know? Well, yeah, who thought? Well, you know, it's just so funny, the the trajectory you've been on from being a former vegetarian for many years to now being a meat producer, <laughs> um, um, which, I find, which I find hilarious and awesome at the same time. What are some other things about your experience going through paleo primal living uh, tips or other sort of revelations you'd like to share with our audience? Well, I always talk about my journey as sort of from paleo to confusion and back again, <laughs> because, yeah. you know, paleo is a Greek word and it's from the paleolithic time. And I feel like that's how I grew up. I mean, I was born in Greece. I didn't move here till I was about seven years old and, and then subsequently went back <clears throat> every summer, but that's how we ate. We ate that real foods, paleolithic, you know, plate. And I came to the States and I sort of got confused with this whole low fat, you know, craze and the sugar snack well snacks, right? A hundred calorie packs. I mean, that's what we cared about back in the eighties and nineties. And how crazy is that? Only to come 
full circle now and get back to the way I used to eat. So you know, it's funny. And like my dad used to say, he used to be like, I knew there was always something wrong with that low fat program that never made any sense to him. Like, right? Isn't that yeah. funny though, how we were just all convinced and we thought we knew like, this is the answer. This and is they the- said, eat pasta, eat bagels, eat as much as that as you want. I mean, that was seriously the eighties. I remember yeah. that being like in, you know, just a thing. And look where we are now. We're like the highest rate of obesity. I mean, it's there's there was something wrong with that. And, you know, and now that I've incorporated and even like I was afraid of fat, too. Right. And now I've incorporated high quality animal meats and and good sources of healthy fats. And I can't even tell you how more satiated I feel. I am never hungry. I mean, I, you know, like to that point of where I was back in the eighties and early nineties in college going, God, I'm just, I'm always starving on a diet of some sort. Like how crazy, what was I doing? I mean, if I only knew then what I know now, you know, I think we're all saying that I'm saying that too. I I was, again, I've mentioned before a horrific food, sugar addict thought about it all the time. Now I barely ever think about food. uh, No. And when I do think about it, I think about it from a definitely a palatable place because I want my food to taste good and be enjoyable. Right. But it's also from a nutrition standpoint, maybe it's because I know too much. Like I look at my food and I'm like, how is this serving my body nutritionally? And how, how am I going to feel energized from this meal? Am I going to, you know, I don't want to feel sluggish. I don't want to have joint pain. I don't want to be sitting on the couch, you know, keeled over with a stomach ache after I eat this big plate of food. So how, how is this food going to nourish me. And when you look at all the things that, that, you know, are on your plate and nourish you in such a healthy way, that makes food so much more enjoyable to me because I know, you know, I'm going to feel great. I'm going to jump off out of the the dining table and be able to go on a run with my kids afterwards. It's not going to be this heaviness, this feeling of like, Oh God, what did I just eat? And Oh, I feel sick. I mean, you know, people feel like that if they just stop and listen, you got to listen to your body and just take a moment and think, how did this food just affect me? So, yeah, absolutely. I uh, I just want to give a shout out to Greek food overall because I am I am from downtown Chicago. We have a huge Greek town. Oh, we yeah. have a huge Greek population. I went to school with a lot of uh, Greek kids, and it's one of my favorite cuisines. I I really wish they would. Uh, it would be great to do a couple paleo versions like. I love tiramisu but I know sometimes they throw breadcrumbs in there. Sometimes they don't. You know, there's there's certain things about Greek food that I love. I wish they modified some of the places. But for those listening, if you haven't really tried traditional Greek food, I suggest it. It's one of the best cuisines. Um, that that's one of my favorites. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you. I mean, I I have many many wonderful recipes handed down from my grandmother, who was just a phenomenal cook. And the funny thing is, she never used a cookbook. So when I wanted to incorporate, I'm like, you know, she's not going to be here one day. I should I should write down these recipes. They were all up in her head. She's like, well, you take a little of this and a little of that, and a little. I'm like, okay, I got to write this down because I want to be able to recreate these dishes and. And, you know, where there are some bread or lentils or grains, you can modify them so easily because the majority of them are more paleolithic. They're just made from real wholesome ingredients. So shout out to Greek food. I love it. Absolutely. Thank you so much for joining us again, tribalifoods.com. We will put the ways to connect with you in the show notes and anything else you'd like to leave our audience with. No, thanks so much for having me. And um, I just encourage everyone, like I said, to just go on that health journey for yourself, by yourself, and um, just to to help you feel your best. So good luck to everyone. Great. (laughs) Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. 
So Chris Kelly, Nourish, Balance, Thrive, we're, we're talking about health and you're telling me a funny story about your picky four-year-old daughter that won't eat unless there's Primal Kitchen uh, condiments on the table. It's true. My daughter will not eat unless there's f***ing the Primal Kitchen Wilder. <laughs> it's, it's this cute thing, actually, she does. We have a local state park called Wilder Ranch. Oh, yeah. And uh, she calls the ranch dressing Wilder Ranch dressing. Which <laughs> we, 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 there's no way we're going to correct her on that. It's just too it's so, so endearing. Uh, how old um, is she? She's four. Oh my gosh. So she likes like the mayo on a Oh yeah, she, so, she loves those. So, you love them as well. We have, uh, we, we eat them all the time. We eat the mayo, we eat the balsamic, we eat the, the ranch, um, the avocado oil we use all the time. And, and so, you know, that's completely genuine. And I don't mind talking about that because you took the pain in the ass out of condiments. I really appreciate that. What an authentic spot from Chris Kelly at Nourish, Balance, Thrive. And yes, Primal Kitchen, you can call it Wilder Ranch Dressing if you want. And uh, we'll send five cents of the proceeds over to that beautiful state park because they're, they're trying to make ends meet in Santa Cruz Mountains. Thank you very much, Chris. <laughs> it's my pleasure.